After interviewing on Monday, Ben Johnson won't be becoming the Seahawks' next head coach. Who is going to be replacing Pete Carroll? We're going to have the latest here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here, as always, by my special co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks coaching search, hitting another snag here, an unexpected one at that. We'll be breaking down Ben Johnson's decision not to take any head coaching jobs this cycle for a second year in a row. We'll continue our weekly report cards, our final report cards, looking at the receiver group, and then Rob's favorite segment of the entire season. We're going to start talking about the Senior Bowl and what's going down in Mobile, Alabama. A jam-packed episode coming your way, courtesy of FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. At this time yesterday, Rob, we were discussing Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald finally getting those interviews after their teams lost in the championship weekend battles. And Ben Johnson looked to be one of those front runners to replace Pete Carroll. Well, Everything can change in just a matter of hours. And this morning, we get the bombshell that Ben Johnson not only won't be the Seahawks head coach, he's not going to be a head coach for any team next year. Second year in a row that he has withdrawn his name from consideration at the end of the coaching carousel. He's staying in Detroit to be the offensive coordinator. And the report's out there. It's all about Super Bowls. They got so close this year in Detroit. He wants to see the process through what that autumn leaves for the Seahawks. He will not be one of the candidates that they ultimately have to decide between here in the next few days as they try to figure out who is going to lead this franchise moving forward. Yeah, and and Corbin, obviously, I realize this is a Seahawk podcast here, so we're going to be focusing our attention on what the Seahawks are going to be doing with their head coaching position. But I think it's exciting. If you are a fan of the Detroit Lions and to see Ben Johnson basically eschew any uh, head coaching opportunities to rejoin the Detroit Lions, Bobby Slowick, the offensive, uh, you know, or a quarterback coach and, and presumably going to be the offensive coordinator of the Houston Texans doing the exact same thing in, in Houston. Um, you know, he has agreed to re-up with the Houston Texans. So if the Seahawks want to go on that route, they want to go with the offensive mind. Really, it's going to focus in on a guy like a Mike Kafka uh, of the New York Giants. Otherwise, they're going to probably have to go with one of these uh, the head coach guys who have some head coaching experience, whether it be a Mike Vrabel, whether it be a, a Dan Quinn. Again, a lot of guys who have a defensive perspective here. Of course, Mike McDonald of the Baltimore Ravens has been one that we have talked about so often here. But that was a huge bit of news this morning, as you mentioned, that uh, the Ben Johnson is electing to return to the Detroit Lions. And so John Schneider, I mean, he had that interview 
with Ben Johnson yesterday and uh, was informed this morning that that is not going to be the direction that the Seahawks are going to be going. So to me, this is a fascinating development here in, in this entire process. I think that it actually is one that, that works out in Seattle's favor. Let's be real. Uh, you know, the Seahawks have a, a lot of talent on the offensive side of the football where they have their their biggest room for improvements on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think that it just means that the, the Seahawks are going to be focusing their attention on on McDonald. Um, I think that also it, it makes uh, the, a, a guy who has basically been in your back pocket, at least it felt like with uh, with um, excuse me. With uh, Dan Quinn, um, very much, again, a guy who's in your back pocket is somebody to be considering here strongly. Again, a guy like a Mike Vrabel, I think, has to be a consideration as well. Um, that, to me, is where the Seahawks are going to have to turn after this big news from Ben Johnson returning to Detroit Lions. Yeah, if you're looking at this, if you are a half-glass-empty type person, you are looking at this thinking, oh, my goodness, we can't get – Ben Johnson. Now we aren't going to be getting uh, Slowick from the Texans either. We just missed out on two offensive wonder kinds, two of the best young coaches out there on the offensive side of the football. That's where everybody seems to be turning, looking for their next head coach. We missed out on those guys. All that's left is Mike Kafka. So I can understand that perspective. At the same time, based on conversations I've had, and again, I haven't had a chance to speak with everybody that's got any intel on this information, and I'm not going to sit here and just say that I know who's going to be hired as the Seahawks head coach, but the discussions that I have had with people the last couple of days, it didn't sound like Ben Johnson was necessarily viewed as the favorite for this job. So maybe there was a conversation, and again, this is just speculation based on what I've been told, but maybe there was a conversation in that interview yesterday that basically boiled down to, you know what, in the end, this is probably not going to be the right fit for us right now. And so Ben Johnson might have looked at it and said, you know what, I'm going to go back to Detroit because I don't know if I'm getting either one of these jobs anyway. So we don't know all the circus logistics behind that. But that is what happens this time of year. Mike Kafka continues to be a name that keeps cropping up that I think a lot of people, second interview, were still saying, you know what, they're looking at him as an offensive coordinator with assistant head coach label, get him in as a play caller. No, I think that he is a legitimate candidate at this point, especially with Ben Johnson now out of the mix. And if you are that person that looks at things half glass full, glass half full, then you are looking at the defensive coaches still available. As you threw out there, Mike McDonald, the Seahawks met with him today. I still think he is very much at the top of their wish list if they can get that deal done with him to get him to come out to Seattle. And you've got Dan Quinn as well. And I'm just going to throw this out a lot of fans of fans that have been very lukewarm about the idea of Dan Quinn being the head coach for the Seattle Seahawks, but you're forgetting that he did get the Atlanta Falcons. I know he was fired early in his sixth season, but I mean, he led them to a Super Bowl. They made the playoffs a few times. He's had two top five ranked scoring defenses in the past two seasons. Oh, by the way, he and Mike McDonald are the only defensive coordinators that accomplished that the last two seasons. And he's got the track record in Seattle. So we can't discount him. And certainly we cannot discount McDonald. And again, I would say that he is probably the coach that is at the top of the wish list. It just boils down to, after their interview today, is he going to be interested in truly making that trip across the country to Seattle to get that first head coaching job? And if he is, I still see this being a match for both sides. 
I do as well. I mean, you know, he was described as uh, the Sean McVay of defense. Um, you know, so I, I think that that certainly is something that is going to, you know, elicit a lot of excitement from Seahawks fans. But as you said, Corbin, I mean, is he going to be willing to move across the country to Baltimore? That's where he met his wife. That is his wife's uh, hometown. That's a significant factor here. I think that when you consider that he has only spent, again, this is Mike McDonald we're talking about, has only spent eight seasons seasons in the NFL as a coach and all of them were with the Baltimore Ravens. The one here, he of course was the defensive coordinator of the Michigan Wolverines. So I don't know that he is going to be willing to move all the way West to Seattle. Dan Quinn, of course, has a great deal of experience in, in Seattle, had a great deal of success here under Pete Carroll and definitely would, would kind of check that box in terms of what the owner Jody Allen has suggested would be an important thing of keeping the culture that Pete Carroll had uh, created here with, with the Seahawks. And, you know, Dan Quinn, I think you have to give him an awful lot of credit for the success that the Dallas Cowboys had on the defensive side of the ball. While they, they certainly have a great deal of talent, they also had a number of injuries. And the fact that they were able to keep rolling, again, they struggled in that uh, their playoff exit, very early exit from a Dallas perspective. But still, I think that you can't focus too much on one game. You have to look at the entire resume. And as you mentioned, he was the head coach that led the Atlanta Falcons, not a team that goes to the Super Bowl very often, but led the Atlanta Falcons to a berth in the Super Bowl. Ultimately wound up getting beat by, by Tom Brady and Bill Bell check well Pete Carroll knows how that feels as well so I think that Dan Quinn would be a a terrific fit in Seattle if that was to be the case and, and then finally kind of circling back here to Mike Kafka is you know Corbin I, I just since we've had some time here to kind of process the different candidates I, I've had some time to kind of really evaluate Mike Kafka and you know if you want to look at the team statistics of the New York Giants they're not that impressive but when you look at the individual statistics at the quarterback Daniel Jones the fact that he has had some very productive seasons here under Kafka, who himself was a quarterback. And if, if you're going to be hiring a head coach with the offensive personality, I like the idea of it being a former offensive lineman or a former quarterback. Those are the two positions, of course, who recognize everything that is going on on the offensive side of the ball. He was a quarterback for Northwestern, helped guide them to an awful lot of success, bounced around the NFL for six, seven, eight different NFL teams, ultimately got his coaching experience with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, they've had some success in the <laughs> NFL over the last several seasons. So I, I just like the way that he has kind of moved his way up. And then, the one thing I would mention in terms of if you're looking at Kafka, if you're looking at McDonald as the two you know uh, favorites at this point, Kafka has got a little bit of buzz to him. When you watch him in the press conferences and things like that, he feels like a guy who is uncomfortable leading men, leading a whole group, being the guy in the room that everybody's going to turn to. I, I do think that that's a priority for the Seahawks. So I think that Kafka is somebody that the Seahawks fans should be absolutely paying attention to, not just focusing on the fact that the New York Giants have been basically an also run in the NFC East division. We'll see what ultimately happens in the next few days if the Seahawks finally name Pete Carroll's successor in the next 24 to 48 hours. But as you mentioned, geography could be a big factor here because the other team that's got an opening, the Commanders, that is much closer to Baltimore. In fact, it's right next to Baltimore. So that could make sense for Mike McDonald if he wants to stay in that region and be a head coach in the NFL. The Commanders may make a lot more sense for him if he likes Seattle's talent more, though. 
then potentially John Schneider could talk him into the fact he interviewed at least presents the idea that he has some interest in that position. So we shall see what happens coming up next, continuing our final report cards. We're going to go back to the offensive side of the football with wide receivers. How did DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett and company perform this season? Don't go away. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And of course, the other thing, the Super Bowl commercials. Maybe that's the best and most important part of Super Bowl Sunday. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. So if you're thinking that Kelsey's going to score a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs, there's certainly going to be a bet out there for that in the Parlay Hub. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. It's your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Shifting away from the coaching search for a few moments, it's time to continue our final report cards. We have talked about quarterbacks, running backs. We've looked at the defensive line, edge rushers. It's time to get to the skill players on the outside. At receiver, the Seahawks added Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round to go with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So many viewed this receiving core as one of the top three in the entire NFL. And at the end of the season, this group did make some history. And yet at the same time, it felt like it was somewhat an inconsistent season for this group, despite all of the abundance of talent that they have. And not all that is on the players themselves. There were other factors to consider, including the offensive line. But Rob, as good as this group was, I think you could also look back at the season and say, at least for some stretches, this group underachieved. I 100% agree with you. I think that you can make that argument for every single one of the Seahawks receivers. And DK Metcalf is going to be, um, you know, representing the Seahawks with a Pro Bowl designation yet again this season. And I, he was my MVP. For, for the Seahawks this season. Now, definitely there have been some moments on and off the field, some of his comments, some of his, uh, you know, his, his um, uh, penalties that he earned um, in, in this season that it was disappointing. But at the same time, there were very few, uh, you know, other players for the Seahawks that, that just dropped your jaw with the way that the DK Metcalf did this year. I mean, again, one of the, the most in, uh, iconic plays of this entire season, in my opinion, was the long touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys when he, you know, had, had that, what, 21, 22 miles per hour that he generated. Just is illustrating, again, the incredible size speed combination that he possesses. Tyler Lockett continues to just amaze with, with his ability to get open, especially in critical situations, typically showing the just absolutely 
lockdown hands that he has demonstrated throughout his terrific career. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, I mean, the you know, there definitely were some rocky moments early on, but for him to have the the game winning touchdown catches that he had as a rookie is certainly very exciting. It's one of the reasons, frankly, I thought that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, again, who, as we mentioned a moment ago, is going to be returning to the Detroit Lions. I really thought that Ben Johnson was going to just jump at this opportunity to work with a wide receiver core who, I don't know, maybe catches the ball at critical moments, unlike some of the receivers for the Lions who, of course, lost to the 49ers there in that NFC Championship game. I, I I do think that you were astute, sir, in, in mentioning the fact that this is a lot a, a, a Seahawks receiver core that some of their struggles really weren't their own fault. I think that there were some there were some miscues at the quarterback position. There were certainly some miscues in terms of the play calling and definitely along the offensive line as well. I, I think that the Seahawks, in terms of pound for pound, talent for talent, they might just be among the absolute elite. I mean, among the top two, three, and all of the NFL, but there were certainly plenty of games this season, Corbin, that the, the Seahawks receiving core basically kind of left you wanting a little bit more. That is something that I think the Seahawks are going to have to improve upon this upcoming season if they're going to get back to the playoffs. As far as positives go, as you mentioned, DK Metcalf, it wasn't a perfect season for him. We still saw a few of those meltdowns post-snap. We saw some interesting comments that made people scratch their heads a little bit in his press conferences. At the same time, he was as good as any receiver in the league the last seven or eight games. And really, his hot stretch down the final month and a half started in Dallas with that 70-plus yard touchdown that he had on Seattle's first possession of the game. And from there, he was dominant creating big plays and explosives. And in fact, he averaged almost 17 yards per catch this year, over 1,100 yards. That's the highest receptions uh, yards per reception total that he has had in his entire career up to this point. So he was busting out a lot more of the big plays. Jackson Smith and Jigba after the bye week was much better. He got off to a slow start. And I think part of that was the fractured wrist that he was recovering from that he managed to make it back for week one. I think that was impacting him some, but we saw the two game winning touchdown catches inside a minute to play, which no rookie had done since 1960. So he made history. All three of these top receivers it was the first time in Seahawks history that all of them had over 60 receptions and over 600 receiving yards. It had never happened, obviously, of the extra game. But still, that is etching yourselves into the record books. And how about Jake Bobo? Jake Bobo coming through as an undrafted free agent, not just the big catches that he made over the course of the season, but the number one graded run-blocking receiver in the entire NFL this year. And if you include tight ends, he was number one, too, ahead of George Kittle. That's the kind of season that Jake Bobo had. So they got contributions in that sense. I think on the flip side, though, a few things, and we've talked about the inconsistency. This was a down season for Tyler Lockett, at least by his lofty standards. We talked about this last offseason. He went into this year with four straight seasons of over 1,000 receiving yards. He had a couple seasons in there with over 90 receptions. And this year, he didn't really get that close to 1,000 receiving yards. He didn't get anywhere close to eight touchdowns, which he had had at least eight touchdowns each of the last five seasons going into this year. It was just a down season for him. He also had four drops. And that was really an issue for this receiving core in general. The year before, in 2022, their entire receiving core had 10 drops for the whole season, according to Pro Football Focus. It went up to 19 this year. 
And part of that Jackson Smith and Jigba was credited with eight of them. Tyler Lockett had four. DK Metcalf had six. So this group dropped a lot more passes to let their quarterback down this season as well. And that goes back to the inconsistency that we don't normally see from this group, especially from Tyler Lockett dropping passes that are put into their hands that they should have caught. So to me, those two issues, the fact that once again, D Eskridge did very little because he was hurt at this point, it feels like you're just sinking costs there with three years of injuries and inconsistent play when he has been available, the rare moments he's been available with all that said, I still think that this is a group. If you're grading up out, it was still one of the stronger positions for the Seahawks and DK Metcalf had over 1,100 yards. He had eight touchdowns. To me, he's a rock-solid B, maybe even a B-plus grade this year with the numbers he put up for this offense. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was great in the clutch his second half. He was as good as any rookie out there in the receiving department. So I think a low B-minus makes some sense given the expectations for him. Lockett, I'd say a C-plus just because – he didn't get to a thousand yards. There were more drops, not as many touchdowns we've seen. It just wasn't the consistent season we've seen from him. And Jake Bobo, you got to give him a low B as well. Not a lot of catches late in the season, but again, the number one ranked run blocking receiver. And he made some clutch catches for the Seahawks this year when he was called upon. So I still think this was one of their strongest positions. And yet at the same time, you still feel like there might have still been something left here that we could have had that maybe got us to the postseason. Yeah, no doubt about it. That, that, that was the great I was basically looking at for this squad at, at the wide receiver position. It's basically a B minus. I think you have to you have to mention a guy like a D Eskridge. I mean, all the expectations of a second round a second round pick, and you saw some flashes. We, we've seen flashes basically every season. They have just been basically lightning flashes. You look up in the sky, you see it one time in a twenty four hour period, and then it's gone. And so that to me is, again, just kind of personifies exactly what the Seahawks had at the wide receiver position. They have a great deal of talent, not as much consistency as was expected. And that's why we're talking about a, a positional group that ranks above average. It's better than a C, but at the same time, for a group that has A talent to come in at a B, B minus does feel like a disappointment. I think it's one of the biggest reasons why Shane Walter is not going to be playing calls, the Chicago Bears and, and, and Pete Carroll. Well, it remains to be seen what he's going to be doing, but obviously he's not going to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks in the 2024. Coming up next, it's Rob's favorite time of year. We are getting into draft season, which starts in Mobile with the Senior Bowl. We're going to be taking a quick glance at a few position groups of interest for the Seahawks, regardless of who takes the head coaching job to replace Pete Carroll. And we'll have some quick breakdowns on a few prospects that you will be hearing a lot more about in coming months here on the podcast. That'll be coming up next here on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, whether it's superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're going to be burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. 
You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my trusty co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate your support. This time of year, I often have to relegate to my co-host, and I will admit, I will get caught up when it comes to draft stuff. Usually February is the month where I really hit it hard watching film and checking out all the prospects. I have my top 50 list put together, but now I got to go back and revise that watch film. It is senior bowl week though. And admittedly, I've kind of been kind of out of the peripheral up to this point, looking at some of these prospects, but this is a critical week for John Schneider and the rest of the NFL. John Schneider has drafted as many senior bowl prospects as anybody out there over the years. And he is still going to be the general manager In fact, he's now got full personnel control. So you should expect the Senior Bowl, if anything, is going to be even more important moving forward for the Seahawks. And man, Rob, there is a ton of talent down there in Mobile this year. Uh, Such a phenomenal job that they have done bringing in top talent year in, year out. And, And seeing what Jim Nagy has done, our friend Jim Nagy, what he's done there the last five or six years, turning this into, it was already the, number one all-star event, but now it truly is must-see for football fans leading up to the NFL draft. No, it really, it really is. Uh, you know, and I've I've been very fortunate, Corbin, over the years to have been able to head down to Mobile, Alabama and go to Veets. That's my favorite bar down there. Moe's, that's my favorite barbecue restaurant down there. Uh, you know, for, for 19 different senior bowls. I mean, I, I go back. I remember when Steve Hutchinson was playing for the University of Michigan and blowing up guys like Zeke Marino, a, a USC uh, a linebacker, obviously before Mike Holmgren and Scott McLuhan and you know and then Scott Fitterer the, those were all members of the scouting staff that uh that wound up drafting Steve Hutchinson that year um you know I mean th- th- we're talking about like you're literally like the year 2000 I mean I, I go back to the senior bowl for an awful long time it it breaks my heart to not be in Mobile Alabama right now that said now you have tape. I can sit in the comfort of my own home and actually watch the the Senior Bowl practices as well as the Senior Bowl game. And as you said, Corbin, former Seahawks scout and a a friend of the program, Jim Nagy, has done a great job of bringing in talent to the Senior Bowl this season. And one of the things that's been really fascinating about this entire process in the past, thus the name Senior Bowl, they, they have only been limited to senior players. Well, now they have the option of bringing in some underclassmen. So this is a especially bloated class of talent that came down to Mobile, Alabama. I think from a Seahawk perspective, we really got to focus in at the quarterback position, along the offensive line, the defensive line, and then as those traditional linebackers. There's a couple of wild cards out there that I think the Seahawks should be focusing in on. The Morris Trophy winner on the defensive side, Liatu Latu, a traditional edge rusher, came in at 6'5", 260 pounds uh, on Monday. That That is a really good height and weight for him, and he had a terrific day of practice here on Tuesday, the first day of official practices at the Senior Bowl. So he is definitely somebody I think that the Seahawks should be looking at in the first round because if he is available at number 16 overall, he led the, the, the Pac-12 in sacks, in tackles for loss, and forced fumbles 
obviously that is something that you have to be considering here. But let's, again, let's focus in at the quarterback position for a moment. The likelihood that the Seahawks are going to be taking a quarterback in the first round seems kind of slim, despite what some of the other NFL draft analysts out there might be suggesting. I do not expect USC's Caleb Williams, um, Drake May from North Carolina, Jaden Daniels from LSU. I don't think any of those guys are going to be available to the Seahawks. Well, that's okay because none of those guys are actually playing in the senior bowl either. But some of the guys who are intriguing to the Seahawks, in my opinion, would be a Michael Penix uh, from Washington, a Bo Nix from Oregon, uh, maybe even a Michael Pratt from Tulane. Those are the next quarterbacks I expect to see kind of come off that board. Perhaps even a J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. He's a junior. He's not playing in this particular game. But again, Bo Penix Knicks and Pratt, to me, are the quarterbacks at the at the Senior Bowl right now who I really think make an awful lot of sense for the Seahawks. I definitely expect that John Schneider, who I, I don't know that he is a mobile just yet, but he will be, I assure you. He loves this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and certainly their top scout, Matt Berry, um, is going to be sitting in the stands and evaluating all of these prospects. And I really think that when you break it down, I, I could see the Seahawks focusing in on a, on a quarterback who has some dual threat ability. Of course, it remains to be seen who the Seahawks head coach is going to be, who their offensive coordinator is going to be. But still, we're seeing just this shift in the NFL towards more of these dual threat quarterbacks. And Bo Nix, and, uh, in particular, it makes an awful lot of sense in terms of his dual threat ability. And if the Seahawks want to kind of bank on a quarterback like a Geno Smith, for example, who could just, you know, throw those sling those arrows from all across the field then you know just stay local My, michael Penix uh, was absolutely spectacular for for university of washington michael pratt from tulane also has the touch um and the accuracy that you're looking for as well so again the quarterback position to me is one of the positions that you have to focus in on initially Corbin, you know me. I, I will ramble about this for the next 20, 30 minutes, sir. So if you want to throw in anything, any comments in here before I switch over to the line of scrimmage, then then please jump in. Yeah, I think this is a crucial week for all the quarterbacks. But in particular, I think Michael Penix and Bo Nix, they have the most to gain or lose this week. And the reason that I'm saying that is coming out of that national championship game, we saw the narrative with Michael Penix change. There was a lot of people upset that he didn't win the Heisman and that he played outstanding football in the first round of the playoffs to get Washington to that national championship game, and then under pressure did not play very well in that national title game. And suddenly you have a lot of people – I've even seen somebody say he might not get drafted. That that completely blows my mind why that would be the case, unless his medicals were completely terrible. But this is a week where he can rebuild whatever stock was lost going against the best of the best in Mobile. And so I think this is a critical week for him. We've seen that quick release, the gun downfield, as good of a deep ball passer as you're going to find in this class. And Bo Nix, his game is more predicated on the short, quick passing game, the ability to run the football, extend plays, and he's got that experience. But that actually might play against him right now because he's going to be an old rookie coming into the league and teams may prefer younger players. Penix got the same issue. So I think this is a week that is critical for those two. And one other name, Joe Milton, is another name to keep an eye on because physical tools have never been the issue for him. If there's a team that sees those tools and think they can mold him for a couple of years, I still think there might be a quarterback there that can play for somebody at some point at the next level. And before you ramble on, and, and I don't think it's rambling on because that's what both of us do on the show, but 
Defensive line-wise, I know that the Seahawks drafted an Illinois defender last year in Devin Witherspoon, but there's another one at pick number 16 that I would love. I'm already saying this right now. I have watched Jerzon Newton play for the last couple seasons in the middle for Illinois' defense, and what I want you to think about is a bigger Puna Ford that just has a lot more upside because that's really the way this guy plays the game. When Puna was at his best, the quick step off the line of scrimmage, the ability to shed blocks, Newton would be a player, not only just putting him back with Devin Witherspoon, those were the two guys that my eyes always gravitated to when I was watching film on Witherspoon last year, Illinois' defense. Newton was the guy that immediately stood out to me. I just think if you could put him with Draymond Jones or if it's going to be Leonard Williams, whoever's going to be in the interior, Newton's a guy that could battle for starting reps right away. He's got that kind of immediate upside. So that is a guy I'm going to be watching closely on the clips coming out of the Senior Bowl this week because I think he could be a player that even plays into top 10 consideration if he has a really good week and a good combine. Uh, I 100% agree with you. He's actually in my top 10 overall prospects that I evaluated for this draft class. That isn't, of course, going to mean the way they're actually going to come off the board, but he is actually the player that I have in my, the only mock draft that I've done so far this season, actually going to the Seahawks at number 16 overall. I mean, he just kind of elicits one of my absolute favorite, uh, you know, comments to give to any defensive lineman, the bowling ball of butcher knives. And I just love that expression because to me that suggests a guy who really chops his hands very well has great quickness great ability to kind of uh you know complement his quick upper body with a lower body so again Jason newton is somebody who's actually not at the senior bowl himself but still among the defensive linemen in this draft class i think definitely is going to in, uh, create a whole bunch of attention from the cx you know, Corbin, uh, I'm just going to just th quickly throw out a whole bunch of names here that I do think that Seahawks fans that are going to be watching the Senior Bowl practices, watching the Senior Bowl game itself might want to pay attention to. Here's basically my top 10, so to speak. And I'm going to start off with the offensive line. I mentioned some of the quarterbacks before, and I love that you mentioned the incredibly talented Joe Milton. So Again, kudos to you, sir. But uh, I'm going to mention offensive lineman. He's played some center. He's played some guard. Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. Really been impressed by him. Christian Haynes, a guard from UConn. Love his physicality. Taliesi Fuaga. He played right tackle at Oregon State. I think because he's got relatively short arms, likely to be a right guard in the NFL. Um, I don't know if that's a terrific fit for the Seahawks specifically because they already have a right guard of the future, in my opinion, Anthony. Bradford. I think Taliesi is good enough to be able to play that left guard position as well. In my opinion, Fuaga is the best run blocker in this entire draft class, regardless of position. So I definitely think the Oregon State product Mount Tahoma product as well. It deserves a great deal of attention. He will be a first-round pick, though. So if the Seahawks are going to invest in the local product, they are going to have to invest big time in him. Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, 6'7", 322 pounds. If Abraham Lucas is not going to be back for the Seahawks, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, to me, makes an awful lot of sense at that right tackle position, as does Patrick Paul, 6'7", 333 pounds. Corbin's got 36-inch on, on, on arms. He's a, a left tackle by trade. The, the Seahawks are set at, at, with Charles Cross there, but I do think that Paul can switch over and play that right tackle position. Quickly on the defensive line, Brandon Dorless of Oregon. McKinley Jackson is, in my opinion, 
probably the best run stuffy nose guard of the bunch. He, he's basically that traditional guy, 6'2, 330 pounds. Justin E. Boigby is a guy that I'm really intrigued by. If the Seahawks want to kind of get back to that 3 4 look where you have these big elephant defensive ends on the outside, really be able to hold the point of attack, 6'4, 292 pounds, 34 inch arms. He is the kind of the classic Alabama edge defender. So to me, he is really interesting. I mentioned Leao Tulatu quickly. The linebacker was Eddie Olafoscio from uh, from University of Washington. Almost said Alabama there. Sorry, UW fans out there. But Olafoscio, to me, 6'1", 239 pounds, came in heavier, thicker than I expected him to measure in at. And it actually great, showed great improvement as an open field tackler for the Huskies this past season. And James Williams, 6'4", 230 pounds. Corbin, he was a safety. He was a guy I was comparing to Cam Chancellor from the University of Miami earlier this year. He is going to be lined up at the linebacker position, knowing that the Seahawks have basically all of their linebackers, Bobby Wagner um, and, and, and uh, you know, their, their entire linebacking core um, is going to basically be free agents this season that I really think that it makes an awful lot of sense to the Seahawks to look at the linebacker position to, uh, you know, it's something that they're going to be looking to draft. This is a good free agent class in terms of veterans as well. But James Williams is one of the guys that makes an awful lot of sense for the Seahawks to be drafted, maybe in that second, third, fourth round. Yeah, this is going to be a position group at linebacker that I think John Schneider and his scouting staff are probably going to pay extra attention to, not just because of the free agents they get at the position, but because this is not a position group that's very deep there. And this is becoming a consistent issue because a lot of college teams aren't developing those traditional off-ball linebackers the way that they used to and the way the game has been spread out. And so you only have a handful every year available. So there are a handful of players here that could be second, third round caliber player that John Schneider and company need to be paying very close attention to. And if they're in that 6'4", 230 pound range, those are big linebackers coming out these days. That's just the way that college football has changed. But as this week progresses, we are going to have more from the Senior Bowl. We'll have our standouts next Monday. We'll be talking standouts from the game as well. And at that point, we should have a better idea which guys really stand up. And it'll be our annual top five on offense, top five on defense. And you and I have a lot of fun with that for an entire show. As always, you can follow me on X and Threads at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's going to be 48 hours since we said there may be a coaching hire. Will the Seahawks have a new head coach tomorrow? If they do, we know what we're going to be talking about. If not, we'll have the latest on that coaching search and the latest coming out of Mobile, Alabama as well. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.